your come up shouldn't be my downfall because we never get ahead that way. The goal is for all of us to get ahead. Are we on the Tweet talk, tweet talk, tweet talk, tweet talk. And begin. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, own, invest, and close the wealth gap. It's, it's, it's time to break down these financial concepts with your hosts, Charles Oglesby and Raphael Husbands. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Welcome to Tweet Talk, Black Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Raphael Husbands, along with my, my host, Charles Oglesby, a.k.a. Todd Billionaire, and speakers such as Ian Dunlap, a.k.a. The Master Investor, Andre Hatchett, The Motoring, Mobile Notary Pioneer, and Dr. Boyce Watkins, amongst others. And you know what? No, I'll save that one for a minute. How does stock stocking, man? And last week was a good week. It didn't start off that great. But ended really good. Um, had some strong days towards the end, so can't complain. Yeah, I saw a tweet of yours. I think it's probably a. It might be. I'm not sure if it's an old one or what. It said, "I don't talk about it much, but one of the ways I make money is because when I made a bunch of money, I stash it away in stocks. So if the market moves one percent a day, I never set six for your account at minimum. I'm making a thousand a day. Yeah, it's it's something. It's advice that I don't really talk about because most people aren't there. So I try to help people talk about things that'll get them there. Um, but I've seen a lot of people who have made a bunch of money in stocks and I made a bunch of money in general and all they're doing is spending it. And it's like, I told people, you only got to make money once, make money once and put that money to work. And in the stock market, man, you can, you can really do some really cool things just with buying quality companies and being patient. So, um, I noticed when I first started investing in the stock market, like you watch the stock market, it doesn't move very much per day. It moves like 1%, 2% up, down per day. And that's why buying stocks and trying to be a day trader is kind of tough because you don't get that much movement in a day. And if you do, it's sporadic. You don't know when it's coming. You you can't really predict that. And so you got to get time on your side. Um, the stock market's not going to move the way you want it tomorrow, but it'll probably move the way you want it eventually. And so that's why when you're buying and holding, you got to be patient. Or when you're trading, I recommend swing trading. I recommend giving yourself some time. Time averages out things in the stock market, where if you see a trend, it's it might go down that next day but it'll eventually go back to where it's supposed to go. And so what's cool is when you have a large account, you make money and it makes money for you. Now, the cool thing is what I found is when you have a large account, let's say I pulled $2,000 from that account. I'm like, oh, I got to do something. Let me pull 2K. The very next day I can make that same 2K back, if not more. And so it's kind of like a wealth hack that I think the wealthy exist on is when you have all this money in the stock market, that's just making money just because you have it. You're always making money and then you can pull it and just make the money right back. Because what's most important is that principle. We're not taking principal and eating off the principal. We're taking gains and living off the gains and putting that principal right back to work. So the same thing that we would do in real estate, we can do in the stock market. So for example, you take a property and you flip it. Let's say you put $30,000 down on flipping that property. You make 50K. You don't take the full 80K and spend the 80K. You spend the 50 and put the 30 back to work. And so you always have this money. And so that money is always going to be functioning and operating as a tool for you. And that's the cool thing. Yeah, man. Don't eat the seeds. Don't eat the seeds. Eat some of the fruit and keep it at work. I saw um I saw somebody was on a podcast or something. I saw it on YouTube and they were saying like wealthy people really like they were saying that politicians trying to tax tax wealthy people heavy is really about penalizing people for doing nothing. Because to 
to, to, to be wealthy and stay wealthy, you really got to do nothing. You build, you get the riches and then you park it somewhere and you just don't mess up. You, you get there and then you just make sure you don't mess up. You build the wealth and then you preserve it and you just don't do anything crazy with the money and you just coast. So you keep, you put some money back into the, to the market, into new businesses or whatever, to generate capital. But for the most part, you just keep it in stuff that's already working and resist the temptation to do shiny stuff. Now, uh, you mentioned real estate. You, this one says comp sold in 21 days for 300. My ARV on this was 240 when we started. Is this a recent tweet? Yeah, it's a recent tweet. I think what's interesting is, so I bought a deal and I think I might have gone over budget. Um, I've also had some experiences where like a contractor took money, didn't do anything, um, just disappeared into thin air and it wasn't small money. But the real estate saved me because by having to take longer in the deal, the markets continue to appreciate even more so. And so where it might have been not that great of a profit or maybe even a loss, just by having to be patient, I mean, I'm going to end up doing pretty well. And so I thought that was kind of cool because that's an extra 60K that I wasn't thinking about. And what's to say, if I were to hold on to it even longer, put a tendon there and then once and then sell it once it's done or sell it in another six months to a year, I can make even more money. And so I think that real estate is just like stocks and that you got to be patient and you got to wait and people be in there trying to move real quick. And it's like, man, you didn't really take advantage of just the natural market appreciation that could have come because you're so focused on your ARV. And so I thought it was cool because I've dealt with some people who weren't the best people. Um, I've dealt with some contractors who just were not fun to deal with. I've dealt with some people who were not fun to deal with. And so it's cool to know that I'm still going to get rewarded for being a good dude. Um, A lot of contractors, they'll have people do work and they won't pay them. And so a lot of contractors, they start to kind of like get real antsy around money. They're like, oh, no, like I need my money, I need my money, I need my money. And it's like, bro, like nobody on this deal is here because they didn't get paid. The only people that's mad is me because I might have paid you for some work that wasn't the best, but everybody got paid. Uh, one time that I did question somebody um, is when the dudes were painting the house and they were taking forever. It wasn't getting done and the work wasn't quality and it just was not good. And so I had to fly out there and like had to kind of start painting myself, hire my own people. And so after I kind of kicked them off the job, they sent me this fat invoice and they're like, oh, you need to pay. And I told them, I was like, I don't think I should have to pay this whole amount. And here are the reasons why I don't think I should have to pay. This dude, I'd already left the town. This dude shows up to the house wilding with backup, Ooh. trying to fight, trying to, to shoot somebody. Mm. And I was like, is that how you conduct yourself in business? Like where we just start reverting to street stuff. And so I had to tell my contractor the other day, um, a different guy, the, the guy who screenshot I posted, I was like, bro, we're going to do this next project, but I'm not that I'm not a street dude. Don't talk to me like a street dude. He was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you preppy, man. You preppy. I was like, yeah, we're going to do preppy above board quality respectable business. It's not going to be no cussing and flipping and all that stuff. We're just going to do good business. We're going to have everything documented. We're going to send checks. We're not sending those Zells and whatever that stuff is. Uh, we got to no do cash it. App. Yeah, no cash app. Like you will get a check so that then I can check and see all the things that I paid you. It has to be documented. And I've made a lot of mistakes, but going forward, I'm not going to, but this is my first like flip flip. And so I expected to make mistakes and it is what it is, but we'll get it together. Yeah, I saw um, Robert Kiyosaki for all his faults. And one of his books said that only losers expect to win all the time. That's mm-hmm. why they be, that's why they quit they quit so early. Because once they run into a problem, they just quit. They fold up and they quit. Go home. Take the ball and go home. But, but man, even if you were a street dude, one, 
once you once you run the business, you gotta run the business like a business, man. That's the nature of the game. It ain't about whether you preppy or not. That's just insulting to me, man. Yeah, yeah. Since, oh, I forgot you preppy, man. I ain't got nothing to do with nothing, man. Now, I saw you retweet this tweet from the Budget Dog. He says credit card points are a broke person game. I I know you always talk. I I know you talk about this sometimes. Like I I really don't get it. Like the credit card. I mean, I get it. Trying to take advantage of something if you can, but that shouldn't be your focus. Like that shouldn't be seen as like that's not the way you're gonna get rich. Like people get mad when Dave Ramsey say it, but he's like all the millionaires and billionaires that I ever talked to, nobody has ever said I built my wealth off credit card points. Like where those stuff, man. I mean, y'all could do that if y'all want to, but you got to remember that these credit card companies, they set this whole system up. They're not stupid. They're not giving you points and not getting nothing back. Like, why do people think that these multi-billion dollar companies are just so stupid they're just going to give you points, you just gain all this free money? Like, they don't have the research to say that they're going to get you in the end. Like, come on, man. Come Mm -hmm. on. It induces spending. And so people end up having this massive debt that they were rewarded for going into like it's not free money it's your money and it's your money at interest so you're like oh yeah i spent a hundred thousand dollars and they gave me a free vacation it's like why you just buy the vacation yourself with the hundred thousand dollars that you just blew <laughs> the other is it's it kind of it it encourages you to overspend as well. And so you're less prudent with credit than you are with the actual money that's in your bank account. I talked to, um, when I was in Sacramento, I was talking to uh, this uh, this barber. He was actually an Asian barber. I went to an Asian barber and he was Muslim. He told me that Muslims don't believe in paying interest. And I never knew that. They don't um, believe in charging interest. Well, that either, yeah. yeah. And so, but even so, like, yeah, like even charging interest. Cause it's like, somebody needs help. And if they didn't need, if they didn't need help, they wouldn't be coming to you for credit. And so you're like, I'm going to charge you for needing help. I'm going to tax you for being poor. It just, it's just like, huh? That doesn't make any sense in a healthy community. But America is not a healthy community. America is a capitalist community that takes advantage of the weak. And so I just feel like um, some people see it and it's really just as simple as mad. I don't really buy into any of those rewards. Whenever I go into a store like, oh, you want to sign up and get rewards? It's like, it's not a reward for me. It's a reward for you. You're going to give me a small little token because I spent a bunch of money with you. For example, one thing that I do use is Starbucks. And the reason why I use Starbucks is because I go there a lot and because it's just passing through. I use my PayPal. I just got to scan it and I get points. But I noticed that I will get like I was looking because I have like 500 points now. And after you get like 400 points, you'll get like a free mug or after you get like 300 points, they'll give you a free drink. And I was like, 300 points is $300. I didn't bought 80 drinks from y'all. And you're like, oh, here's a here's a drink. But at retail, what that thing costs is eight bucks, but for them, it probably costs 50 cents. So they just took 300 bucks from you and they gave you back 50 cents. And the same thing is true with these credit card companies. Like they're in cahoots with the companies that are giving you these free trips. So they're not giving you the free trip at retail for you. It's a retail value, but for them, it's wholesale value. It costs them probably nothing to give you that. And they took so much from you. So in my opinion, it's just a game I don't want to play, but I'm at a point where I don't want to convince you that it doesn't make sense. If you think it makes sense, by all means, get your credit card point. But I choose not to live based off of the credit card point hype because I know it's all a game. And one of the things that I've said is once you get into business and you understand marketing, you start to understand the marketing that's being marketed on you. And so when you are 
when you have a product, you're like, man, if I created like a loyalty system, or if I create like a award system, then I could increase my my people who are committed to what I'm doing. So when you get to the other side, you start to see what they're doing. They're doing it because they're making more money by doing it. They're not doing this. It's not a charity. Mm-hmm. None of these companies on the stock market are charity. None of them. Even if they make you think that it's a charity, it's not. It's all aimed at taking as much money out of your pocket as possible. Yeah, I, I never even thought about it like that, but you're right. Like they probably have not probably they, you can assume that they have some kind of deal with these airlines where they get in this stuff close to cost like they have a deal they're not just they're definitely not buying these plane they're not giving you points that coming out of pocket that for the same amount you would like they got deals <laughs> i know this was a point where you said when you said the coffee costs 50 cent like that's real just on the side people like there's big money in coffee because it's the majority of the product is water it's literally water with a little flavoring but um but, but yeah you're right the rewards like people are giving these rewards to you to overspend especially with credit cards because they say this the research shows that when you spend use a credit card you don't feel the pain that you feel when you spend cash like when you spend cash your brain kind of registers it like pain almost like physical pain but with credit cards you don't because you don't even really think that's real money it's not coming out of your bank account you don't have to pay it for 30 days or whatever like so they get you to spend more than you normally would like people make the um the argument like well i'm going to be spending the money anyway may not get the rewards that's cool if it's a recurring bill that you got to pay anyway sure but going to the gucci store and it's like i'm gonna get the points back anyway they got you they got you and this was as a lesson for those business owners listening. Got to think about it. you got to encourage people to spend more and come back more often. Build goodwill by giving them something small, like a mug that they could go to the ninety-nine cent store and buy. But it makes them feel good because you got your brand on it, and they feel like they got it for free. Almost like they got it over on you. They didn't, but it's almost the same feeling. So just keep that in mind. But people are going to do what they're going to do forever and a, and a day. And you had a tweet, Charles, where you said agreement is overrated. Most people don't even know enough to understand what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like if you get into a debate or argument with some people who are committed to misunderstanding you, you got to realize that it's kind of a waste of time. I saw this thing and he said, he said something along the lines of like, once you start to realize either who you are, or what you accomplished, you'll, you'll kind of start chart changing who you argue with and i've just realized that sometimes it's a waste it's kind of like if you're talking to your child and you're trying to explain something to your child and they don't get it at a certain point in time the conversation becomes because i said so (laughs) we're going to try to help you get to the point where you understand why i'm telling you these things but if you just don't get it it's because you aren't at that level just yet why do i got to do math homework why do i got to read these books why do i got to do these you don't understand it now but you will later and even if you don't understand it later, you'll appreciate it later because there's things that I was taught growing up that I used to hate because I used to see all my friends out there doing it. I used to see them all of them wearing it or rocking it and it looked cool. And in my household, we didn't have those rules. And I thought it was so silly when I was growing up. And then you get older, you're like, man, I'm, I'm grateful that they instilled those values and those principles. In. And so I just ha- I found that, especially on the Internet, everybody's not as evolved as a lot of people, but we're all in the same spaces. And so I've made this comment before, like with social media, what's funny is social media is one big neighborhood. But in real life, we all live in different neighborhoods where there's different people of different economic backgrounds, social economic backgrounds, educational backgrounds, family backgrounds, all that stuff. And so I know for the most part, if I'm talking to the people in my community who live 
live here, we all have the same principles. Honestly, every single person in this little cul-de-sac, except for maybe one who's divorced, is married. And they all are raising their kids. But on the internet, <laughs> I just be talking to whoever. And so I got to realize that, like, you got to have confidence and belief in what you know and what you understand and what you've researched. And you're going to be having these conversations with people who haven't read what you've read, don't listen to the podcast you listen to, haven't researched the re what you've researched, hasn't don't have the network that you have, don't have the educational background that you have, and they're not going to get it. I never forget, and I say this respectfully, we were in, uh, we were in, uh, in Sacramento, and a lot of Sacramento is not that great. Like, it's like run down. But we ended up going to in and out in this area called Delta Shores, and it seemed like it was pretty nice out there. I was like, man, I got you guys in the nice part of Sacramento. And they're like, this ain't nice, this ain't nice. What you talking about? And I was like, you don't got to agree. <laughs> I think it's nice. Because, like, as kids, you know, like, when you're growing up, like, we're taught that like if other people don't deem it dope, it's not dope. And we subscribe to that and we limit ourselves because of that. And our confidence is impacted because of that. And I got to a point in life where I don't care if people agree with what I'm saying, because I believe that I put a lot of thought and research and effort into what I'm saying. I wouldn't say it if I didn't. And you're going to come and there's going to be some dude who's going to say this is wrong. Like, for example, I was on the on the internet with Mark, we we're talking about the Errol Spence fight. And he said that because we thought Errol Spence had a chance to win that fight, that we don't know boxing. And I hate when people make that comment on social media. Everybody likes to say, if you disagree about something, like well, you don't even, you, don't, you, you talk like you don't know ball. You talk like you don't know ball. It's mm -hmm. like, bro, just gonna have a different opinion than you doesn't mean I don't know ball. Or just because I choose to root for the underdog doesn't mean I don't know ball. Everybody can root for the under, for the, for the front runner. I never choose to root for the front runner. You wanna know why I don't root for the front runner? Cause we ain't no front runners as a community. We are always the underdog. But people mm -hmm. like to float and dance on top of people who have been into these legacy organizations. I find no I find no fun in that. I find the fun in creatively finding ways for the underdog to win. What do we have to do to win? Why? Because it's directly applicable to our circumstances. I'm going to root for the Chargers. I'm going to root for the Clippers. I'm going to root for Errol Spence. When I knew that Terrence Crawford was way more intellectually sound in terms of boxing IQ than Errol. Errol's a brawler, and he's going to sit there. He's going to get picked apart by Terrence Crawford, and that's what happened. But I still wanted him, him to have a shot. I, I find no no fun in, in rooting for the front runner. It's just not fun to me. I hear that. Yeah, America does love an underdog. I about still, people like to jump on bandwagons, and it is what it is. But going back to what you're saying about forgetting the Forget about getting an agreement because, first of all, it's never going to happen, especially not on social media. So expect to see the trolls pop up when you have an opinion. Um, but what you said about like with your children and at some point you just got to tell them, like, it is what it is. Like, you're going to do it because I say so. Because it's important. Kids don't know better. Like, they don't know any better. And you got to remember, I got to say this for all the parents out there. And I got to remember this myself. Like, you got to keep repeating and repeating for things to get sink in. And you can't give up just because you don't think it's sinking in. Because it takes a long time. You got to think about yourself. Like, when you were a kid, well, you didn't listen to what your parents were saying either. And then you got older and you, you was like, oh, that's what they were trying to tell me. Well, sometimes this stuff works and you don't know. But it takes a while. And if you give up because you say, like, I'm wasting my time saying it, then you lose. But you got to stick with it, man. It takes a while. Don't give up. Now, 
gotta ask you about this tweet. One thing, one thing I would say though mm-hmm. is I'm not concerned with agreement. I'm concerned with results. So we can disagree at this level, but I'm gonna still execute what I'm thinking, and then I'll see you in five years. So I would argue that when you're raising children in the way that I aspire to raise my son, I'm gonna run into some people who are gonna disagree with some of the things I believe in. But I'm focused on the results. I'm not focused on the agreement. Because a lot of folks don't know and a lot of folks don't do. So what matters is, am I building a quality human being? And I believe that I am. And we're working towards doing that even more so. I hear that. So let me ask you about this tweet where you said, uh, I don't know if this came from a book or a show. Or it just came from you. But you said, amateurs seek the sun. Power stays in the shadows. Where that that came from Oppenheimer, which was filled with gems. And um, he was talking. I, I forget exactly who they were talking about in reference to it. But I was thinking about that quote because Oppenheimer, um, he basically, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the story, but he like built the atom bomb. Him and his team built the atom bomb and he became very famous for it. He became like time man of the year. They were calling him the father of the atomic bomb and all that stuff. But then he ended up going on trial. They started to attack him, um, which is crazy because he did all this stuff. And the reason why they were attacking him is because he kind of spoke out against the use of it. He liked the idea of building this thing. He didn't like the reality of it being 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 people, which it did in the two attacks. And he kind of felt like the moral issues that came with that. And um, because he had like a negative view, they kind of went after him and they took his security credentials. That was really what it was. A fight was over was his security credentials. And um, but in doing that, they literally drug his name through the mud. Like they were saying, oh, you're a communist and you've dealt with communists and you funded communists. And one of the politicians in the story, in the, in the, in the movie kind of talked about that. He was like, amateurs, they want to shine. What happens on the other side of the shine when you breaking up? I don't know why that went away. What happens on the other side of the shine is you get attacked. And mm-hmm. I could really resonate with that because that's what happened. You go, you go the person to the person they're rooting against, just like LeBron James. Yeah, everybody back out again. But they put LeBron James on the cover of a magazine when he's in high school, and now 20 years later, they're still attacking him. Man. Be sure to follow us, folks, on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's Tweet Talk P O D. All good. All good. Frozen too. Be sure to follow us on Tweet Talk at Tweet Talk. I mean, on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. I'm not calling it X. <laughs> Follow myself on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow my partner Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Am I there? Are you there? Yep. I don't here. know what's going on. You've been kind of lagging the whole show for some reason. Oh, you noticed. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, I would just say that I've learned, and I think that everybody goes through this because you got to get to a certain peak before you can even go to the other peak. Everybody passes through that level. Like billionaires pass through millionaire level and they probably got attacked. And they started to realize like being in the front ain't all this cracked up to be. Like being the person that people can throw arrows at ain't all this cracked up to be. I'd rather be uh, Al Heyman in these streets. But I just thought it was cool and it was a good quote. And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and I think also... It's a perfect segue into this episode's segment of Black Billionaire Banter. <laughs> because what I wanted to touch on today. Now, I know that you don't like to you kind of don't like to talk too much about like celebrities and athletes and what they're doing. With good reason. And I understand why you don't. But I thought we should touch on this real quick. I might like, can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear. You. I was trying to put you on solo. No, 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 it's all good. So Jalen Brown, NBA player for the Boston Celtics, recently signed the largest NBA deal in history, $304 million for five years, which is a crazy amount of money, like $60 million a year. 
And although it's funny because Erica Williams said something about it and she was saying like after taxes, that's like 150, but it is what it is. Still a lot of money. Now it's been all over the, the social media because he got on the press conference and they asked him what he's going to do with all this money. First of all, why are you asking this black man what he's going to do with all this money? That ain't none of your business, first of all. Second of all, he talked about building a black Wall Street. I'm tired of hearing that term, honestly. Um, and revitalizing neighborhoods and closing like the wealth gap and stuff like that. It was all cool. But my first thought is like, why are you saying this in public at a press conference? I thought it was the dumbest thing ever to say it in public. I'm like, he's not going to get anything done now. Well, he gets something done, but not a lot. Because everybody see you coming. And then, you know what's going to happen? People are going to say, oh, that's racist for him to tr- to be trying to do all this stuff for a, a particular race. What if white people did that? Like, come on, man. I know you saw it, man. What were your thoughts? I agree with what you were saying. I think we got to start moving like real G's and lasagna and silence. <laughs> and I was thinking about this one day. I was like, you know what? We need our own language. But the language that we should probably just learn is just Spanish. Let's just learn Spanish. Everybody learns Spanish. We can communicate in Spanish when we need to be more covert on the things that we're trying to work on. Um, because when you broadcast your moves, they're just going to set up things to stop those moves. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I 100% agree that he shouldn't have mentioned that. Um I like that his mindset is there, though. Right. I think that's very cool. And I've always said, if it, it don't got to be up to one person. So if you got him and you got a bunch of other people working together, they can accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. Um, because it doesn't have to just be your cash that you're putting out. Now you can start to use leverage. Um, and so now you look at it and you're just putting pieces together and then putting that towards an even larger source of capital in terms of financing. And now you're building out this massive thing and you're not having to use all your, your own money. You're just backing it financially. And the deal makes sense on paper where it's not just a charity. So for example, you got him, let's say he puts up 10 million. Another person puts up 10 million. Now you got a hundred million dollars. Now you can leverage that towards possibly a billion, if not more. And that's just to 10 people. Imagine if every single NBA athlete, every single NFL athlete, every single entertainer contributed 10% of their income towards building up the black community. What could we accomplish with leverage? We'd have a massive pool of resources. And that's what wealthy communities do. Wealthy communities do these things. Um, What's interesting is we always talk about Black Wall Street, but in downtown LA, there is an Asian mall. It's a Chinese mall. You walk in, it's probably like three stories tall. It takes up a whole block. And every single store in there is Asian. I was blown away because it just exists. It's not broadcasted as some national, some big movement, some big old civil rights type thing. It just exists. And so sometimes it's okay to not bring the the glory. It's kind of like what we're talking about. Like seek the shadows, not the sun. We don't want you like, if anything, you should probably put up some people in front of you that you just back in silence and you can accomplish these things or even get some people from other community to do it. And you just back them and they go out there and they make it happen. We got to start being strategic in how we do things because it's just a lot of people are looking to set us back, even though we're taking steps forward. So that's what I would say about that. I didn't really think too much about it. I just kind of saw the headline, thought it was cool phone scrolling. Um, I don't think he's worth that much money. I was kind of disappointed to see him get paid that much money. But it's interesting, like the way these contracts are going now, like everybody's getting paid crazy bread. Justin Herbert, quarterback for the Chargers, just got paid 250 mil. What's interesting is running backs aren't getting paid anything. Running backs are trying to get five mil. They can't even get that. They're trying to get like 30 mil. Can't even get that. Um, so it's it's very interesting dynamic um, in terms of like these these player salaries. But the crazy thing is everything is so expensive. And so now a nice home gets you 10 mil. 
back in the day, a million dollar house is a nice house. Now, a million dollar house is a middle class house. So things have to adjust. Yeah, but it's, man, it's funny because it makes so much sense when back in the day, black people that had a little money to try to get real estate, they would find some white dude that they were cool with, pay them some money to go be the face of the deal, go in the, go work sign the papers or whatever and they just control the stuff from the back from the background because they knew the resistance would come if they show up at the office trying to buy this deal and me and uh network brandy were talking about this whole Jalen brown thing like back in the day during the civil rights movement people like martin luther king he was able to go across the country and do, do do all these talks and all this stuff and people big him up as a civil rights hero but that man ain't had no money it was the rich black people behind the scenes financing him in public they'd be like oh they didn't have all these opinions in public so people would get on them but behind the scenes they were funneling money into the movement and we were able to get stuff done but coming out and saying that a, a black wall street first of all like let's let's stop naming everything black wall street and greenwood and tulsa like is enough already. The idea is good. And like you said, it's good that he got that mindset. But now it's like, for one thing, people are going to set up roadblocks now because it, you know that's what you're thinking. And another thing, now other NBA players and athletes, when they see him having resistance, they're not going to want to be a part of his movement. They're not going to want to be seen as part of him. They're not going to want to catch his strays. So there'll be more resistance to help, step up and help him. So you gotta do things in the right way, man. Um, you could have pulled the same moves and just not talk about it beforehand. Meanwhile, on the other hand, um, Steph Curry helped Howard University raise three million dollars for their golf program, and they out there winning championships and tournament tournaments and stuff. So I thought that was cool. Now, the other th- thing I wanted to touch on Black Millionaire Banter is I saw Black Millionaire's account on Instagram reposting this business owner. Um, uh, she does. She has a a nail salon or whatever. Uh, From the story, it seems that Cardi B reached out to her and wanted to come into the shop and get her nails done. And it was kind of like last minute or whatever. And the the nail salon owner or the nail tech, whatever she is, she turned it down. She said, no, my day is booked. And these are my loyal customers. I'm not going to cancel them, their appointments for a celebrity. These are the people that pay my bills. These are my loyal customers. I'm not, I'm not doing it. And, but she also added in that she, she did, she did that before for celebrity and it did not turn out well. So there's a big debate on social media about should she have done it? Should she have canceled? Should she, I don't know if you saw that story. No. Yeah, but it's like people are divided. But I feel like most people are saying like she did the right thing. Like your loyal customers, they're the ones that keep your your lights on. And Cardi B is probably going to come in that one time and she may never come back again. Yeah. And so sometimes a, a, a celebrity endorsement doesn't always work out. It can go either way. In my opinion, I feel like it can go either way. Um, who might take that risk and it might pay off. And there's people who were like, I'm not going to take that risk. And they'll still maintain their successful business. There's somebody who might take that risk and it might set them back. I don't, think, I don't feel like yeah. there's always a one right way to do stuff. Right. And here's the thing. She might have taken the Cardi B appointment. Cardi B could have came in, blasted her all over social media and in a negative way, or she could have blasted her positively and the, and the business blew up before it's time. And then you can't handle it. And then you're going out of business because you blew up too fast. But the way it's turning out, she gets the bo- best of both worlds. She did not piss off her loyal customers. She made her money. She turned on Cardi B, but still got the publicity from it as if she had as if she did take the appointment because now everybody on the internet is talking about it. 
So she still got publicity. So she's still she's still winning. She's still winning. So big up to her. Yeah, I don't know if it's your Wi-Fi or my Wi-Fi, man, but it's choppy. It might be mine. And I'm actually on the laptop because my desktop is retarded. Well, we gonna have to work. Well, we gonna have to push push through it like we always do. You had a tweet. I'm gonna. You say you could get white people stuff, but you can't get it the same way they got it. Um. I was just thinking, just thinking, because I was like, you start to see like a lot of these lawyer dudes, they like they were landed there. They were put in the right schools that got them into the right schools. Uh, meanwhile, you might have scratched it up and went to like not the best school. But the difference is they don't have the work ethic or the dog. And so I experienced working with a lot of people like I work with a lot of smart people, but they don't get stuff done. They sit on things. They wait. They they just they don't get stuff done. I'd be moving. I'm like, this is done, this is done, this is done, this is done, this is done. Oh, this came in, let's get it out right now. They're like, oh yeah, we missed that deadline. Oh yeah. I'm like, why didn't it get done? Get it done. And so I just found that like we all want night because we were we went to Legoland yesterday and Legoland's in Claremont, and Claremont is a very nice area right near the water in San Diego. And so I'm like walking in and uh like I don't know, they kind of looked at me a, a little bit. I was like, all right, as I just get out the bin. But then, like, I get back into the car, and then, like, this other lady pulls up. She's in the exact same car as me. And I was like, we got the same thing as you. But I probably had to do it a little bit different than you. <laughs> I probably had to build a business. You probably just, your dad's an executive somewhere, and he puts you there. One of the funny things about um, the Oppenheimer movie is uh, Oppenheimer was a scientist, super gifted scientist, and he runs into, like, this other, like, scientist who I think was, like, Maybe ahead of him, he was bringing him in. Daddy. And, uh, Daddy. Yes, no. Okay, let me finish this. And so the guy, he was like, um, something about like a self made man. And I think Oppenheimer was like, yeah, man. He's like, I see that you're a self made man. I can relate to that. And the guy said to Oppenheimer, he was like, oh, yeah, how? And he's like, my dad was one. <laughs> and I was, I was kind of funny. It's like, he's like, I can relate to your struggle because. I, ain't, I I know somebody who did it. It wasn't me. And like, there's a lot of people like that out there. I thought that was kind of funny. Now, what's interesting is Oppenheimer. Isn't that a Walmart? I mean, a Wall Street firm, Oppenheimer fun, funds? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that somebody named their company after him. Yeah. Yeah, you think it's named that? I'm wondering if it's named after him after or a different Oppenheimer. You never know. It could be named after one of his heirs. Could be. Now. I almost forgot this one. We could argue about this if you want. Um, I, I got different perspective on this than some. So the Black Millionaire account on Twitter was um, shared a, a clip of some lady talking about she believes Black-owned clubs, lounges, and restaurants overcharge for everything so they could keep up a certain lifestyle. And a lot of people say like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people were saying like, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I definitely disagree with that. So I was confused when she said lifestyle. Did that mean like the illusion like to her clients that it was it was upper echelon? Is that what she's saying? I I took it to mean I I took it to mean that the business owner is okay. trying to keep up a certain lifestyle. That's what I took it to mean. Honestly, I just saw the first little piece where they were saying overcharge and that's what I hopped on. I don't know why they do, and I, I have ideas of why people overcharge, but I have noticed like every contract I deal with in Detroit overcharges, um, and we know what something's supposed to cost, and they will borderline be offensive when they can't overcharge you. Like you don't think that's a little high? 
Like, this is the price. It's going to be a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. That's I hear I was a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work. It's like, bro, like, whatever. And so I strongly believe that people do overcharge. And I think that's to their detriment. That's to their detriment. Um, and I, th that's why one of the very first things I said when I got on stage at Black Business Click, and I wanted to make sure I said it because I didn't want to forget to address it, is what led to me breaking through was affordability, meeting my customers where they were. Um, and I feel like if did more of that, we'd have more of that. If we provided useful service to people who it while still maintaining ability in very large business, because everybody was to end the wealth gap overnight not over time. And we just said in the beginning, the win is over time. You're going to get there over time. The reason why people rock with me is because I've done so much for free for so long. And then when I did start charging, it was affordable. And so I think that people have this idea that when their prices are high, that means they're better. Like I'm mm. Gucci, I'm Louie, I'm Fendi. I want to be Gucci, Louis, Fendi. I want to be Walmart. I want to be Amazon. I want to be the companies that meet the average person where they are because that's going to mean that I have more customers. And not only that, if it's quality, you're going to also get the people who have the money. I would rather sell to 100% of the market than 10% of the market. And so like, that's the way I took it. I didn't actually look at the lifestyle. I would say that I think that is part of what motivates it is they want to fatten their pockets as fast as possible. Um, but you shouldn't have to rob somebody to fatten your pockets. That's what frustrates me is your come up shouldn't be my downfall because we never get ahead that way. The goal is for all of us to get ahead, not for one of us to get ahead and everybody else to fall back, back behind. That's why I was so excited when somebody could invest in the course that I had and make way more than they invest. I want you to pay $1,000 for my course to make $1,000. I want you to pay $100 for my course to make $1,000. I want the benefit of the exchange to be on the customer, not on the producer. I'm going to make my money at scale. I'm going to make my money because I've done 50, 60, 70 houses in the community not just in person. I feel like it takes a more holistic, more community approach as opposed to a selfish and individualistic approach. Just to ourselves, especially when we turn into business, business service. Or right, are so, you going to say, Robert? So here's where my disagreement comes in, in, in the whole term overcharge. Because I believe that in general, black business owners do not overcharge. It's just they may charge more than you're used to paying, but they're not overcharging. Like Now, something like well, you're talking about like dealing with a contractor in Detroit or something. They might be trying to get over on you. That's there's no justification justification for that. Trying to get over on people, but we gotta remember a lot of times black businesses charge more because they don't have economy of scale and they can't afford to charge you less. They gotta charge you the prices they're charging you, and I mean that's just what it is. I, I don't think the majority of black business owners are trying to live an Instagram life off their customers and trying to overcharge them. That's just the way I see it. Like we, they don't have an economy of scale. They can't afford to charge you Walmart prices because they're not Walmart. They got one store, one restaurant, one whatever that they're trying to build from the ground up. They don't have 8,000 locations nationwide and the negotiation power to, to get um, the goods at 10 cents each, right? So they got to charge you more. Or else, otherwise, they can't even stay in business and pay the bills. Also, I mean, it is what it is. I don't, I don't think people. I don't think most people are trying to to get over on people. It, it, I, I just don't see that. You're on mute. Where I would kind of come back on that is it kind of goes back to the idea that people don't know business. Mm -hmm. 
Business isn't about instant profitability. Business is about building your customer. I call it a, a brand footprint. So that means in the beginning of a business, you're going to take a loss. You're not going to be profitable. You're not supposed to be profitable. And so that's why when we see a business, it's not profitable and we criticize it. It just highlights the fact that we don't know what we're talking about. We've never experienced it. We've never seen from the ground up a business be grown. We just have this grand idea of where Tesla is 20 years later. Do you know how long it took Tesla to make profit? A long, long like a profit? Amazon, the laughing stock of the stock market for probably years because they had this high valuation and they weren't profitable. And so the thing is, business is always community service. I don't care if you got one location, if you got five. A thousand. Your business should be serving your clients, not robbing your clients. It should be taking advantage of your clients. Even if you go to a high-end place where the cost is more, it's because the value is built in. The value is built into the Four Seasons or the Rich Carlton. Business should always leave your customer better off. It should never leave your position after having dealt with you. Nobody should leave in a worse condition ever ha after having dealt with you. If it's business or personal relationship. So my point is that we don't get to use that excuse. We don't get to say, oh, well, it's because we black. Because black business shouldn't even be labeled black business. It should just be business. <laughs> it's business that happens to be black. Therefore, we need to move accordingly. And I know we've said some things in terms of um, like white corporate culture and how we can't. I'm not sure if you saw that video, but she was talking about how like we can't move like white corporations where yeah, they build themselves up and they sell it. Like we got to think different because we're in a different situation. Money's not going to solve our problems. Owning an organization that prints money is going to solve our problems. That's two different things. And so I would just say that I hear what you're saying and I'm probably not going to persuade you, but my perspective is that you should still be giving value to your community at an affordable price because they're going to want it in the first place that uh, the business um, Hawkins What's very interesting is they raise their prices. So like they had their prices at fair prices, but the people across the street, they get a discount. It's called like the Nickerson Garden discount. I think it's like 15% or something. It's something very generous. And when they rate, like before they raise their prices, nobody used it. They didn't care. They're like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. When they raise their prices, everybody wanted their discount. They're like, oh, let me get that <laughs> discount because that's where they were financially. They can't go higher. And so the black business that provides black solutions at an affordable price is going to win. The black business that's going to continue to charge crazy high ticket prices is ultimately going to fade away and it's going to be non-existent. And it's going to be their fault because they think they're charging their worth and their worth is not the price that they're charging each individual customer. It's the value of your business. <laughs> The value of your business is your worth. What's the value of your business based on? It's based off of the net profitability times a multiple, not the fact that you can sell a hamburger for $15. I'd rather you go to In-N-Out, you could feed a whole family of three or four for $25. You can get a whole combo for eight bucks. You ain't going to no black burger restaurant and get in a combo for $8. You're probably going to pay about 15, 16. But if they did sell it for that price, they'd have customers lined out the door. And not customers who just come once a month. Customers who come once a week, twice a week. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like that's the way that's the way I think. They don't gotta accept it. They don't have to agree. That's the way that I think. That's what I'm gonna continue to think. In fact, we're gonna be running the Kobe sale on the Blackman Building Wealth Conference today. So you're gonna be able to buy tickets for twenty-four dollars today. Cause I want people to get the information and I know that I'm gonna be rewarded. Because an, another way that you can get blessed is by giving. You can give through business at scale. I know if I give, it's going to come back to me. I know if I bless others, it's going to come back to me. I know if I do my responsibility and contributing to society, it's going to come back. I hear you. That's another, that's another way to look at it.
I'm just saying like you you write and forget about black business or whatever. I'm just saying if you if you got one business and you starting, I'm not saying like it's okay to charge five times the price, but you might have to charge a little more just to just to break even. And some of these people can't afford to take a loss with too too or at least too big of a loss for too long. They could maybe at cost where they could hit their salaries, but they can't afford to take a loss for so for ten years like Bezos who had public money. Uh on the other hand, here's another thing I think that people never think about when they see black businesses charging more money. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but you, you should I will I would I would like you to pay attention to this going forward. Like when it comes to like products like body care and stuff like that what i've noticed is a lot of the times when black folks are a business i think part of it is because on the one hand the reason they started the business is because they want to create a solution like you say and they want to come up with a good product and on the other hand i think sometimes black people like kind of overcompensate where they feel like they gotta have the best product so a lot of times when they come up with like something like body care or something they use the best ingredients organic no parabens every they, they make sure that it's not harmful to you at all so they use better ingredients that are naturally more expensive meanwhile the big box stores are putting all kind of chemicals in there that are cheap so they can afford to drop the price in next enough so these black businesses are charging you more money because they're actually using better stuff and giving you actually they usually have a lot of times they have the best product their product is way better than the big box store but people look, people just look at the price and be like it's lotion how you charge it twice what walmart is charging because what walmart is selling not only did they get an economy of scale but it's next to poison on your body so i think that's something people should think about too that's why everybody gets mad when black people sell their businesses to these big corporations because the corporations are going to immediately change the formula why do they change the formula it's not because they hate black people they change the formula because it's cheaper it's not going to be handmade they're not going to have all these organic products in there. They're trying to make, they're trying to maximize the profits. So that's another thing to think about. But we can move on. You had a tweet where you said, what, instead of your wife working a job, you just buy a business and have her run the business. <laughs> yeah, I just had that thought um, because I was like, man, my next thing I want to do is buy a business. But then I was like, well, how am I going to run this business? And I was like, well, my wife could run the business. And that'll give her something, you know, to work on. So instead of going out there and looking for a job, just run the business that pays us and then grow the business that pays us. And then boom, way easier. But you're stepping into instant cash flow. And so like, that's the goal. And, and also I was thinking about how when you acquire a business, you don't buy the business, the business buys the business. And so I was like, all right, so I don't have to worry about that. At most, maybe I have to worry about the down payment, all that stuff. The payments are going to come from the business. And if the business doesn't pay for the business, the business goes bankrupt, but it's supposed to pay for the business. That's why they have the valuation attached to it, because it's supposed to have continuing cash flows, not just past cash flow. And so I was just thinking about that, even if it wasn't profitable in the moment, because in, for a while, it's probably going to be lean. If you're using business income to pay, take care of the business, it's probably not going to be that fat. As, as when the prior owner was running the business. And so to have somebody that can run it for a lower cost. So one of the things that um, other cultures do when they start a business is they have their friends and family working for free. And so they do that because they can keep their costs down, which then means that they can keep their prices at a number that makes sense. Um, the businesses, like if you notice, like the businesses that flood the hood, they usually give you some damn good prices. That's usually why people choose them over the black alternatives because they're just, they're beating your own price. Mm -hmm. um, so that goes back to what we're talking about. But I just thought it'd be kind of smart and just strategic to do that. And then you mess around, you have your son running the business if you sit still for long enough. <laughs> and also, like you said in the last episode, like for instance, a Chinese food place, it's the husband working, it's the wife working, it's the college 
it's like the high school daughters age daughters working the grandfather the grandmother is working cooking and really all beyond like a livable wage quote unquote all they get is room and board like once they got room and board grandpa and grandma are good really good as long as they got some place to sleep and they could get a little money in their pocket they're good so meanwhile y'all have to depend on paying strangers that are going to want market value and there's nothing wrong with that if not more they're going to probably want more people people be treating you like they're like you're their come up when you're a black business owner and you start trying to hire people, they they be trying to take advantage. They're trying to get as much money as they can out of you. I know this from my personal experience, even from my mom's experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. I saw you retweeted a tweet where somebody said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but your favorite sports team winning doesn't mean you won. Oh, I think that goes back to what we were talking about before in, in terms of people rooting for the front runners. It's like I saw people on the timeline talking crazy about Errol Spence like they could beat up Errol Spence. I saw people on the timeline talking like Terrence Crawford is their, their BFF. I was like, both them dudes made eight figures. Both them dudes made more than $10 million that night. Either they both won. And that's after, that's not even before the pay-per-view numbers. Like we still got to see the pay-per-view numbers. That's always an added bonus. And so there really is no L when you're on the stage. But again, I, I don't, I try not to take the L's personal because it's easy to do that when you watch sports, especially as football season's coming up and the Chargers are going to be playing and they're going to be disappointing me. It can ruin your whole week, man. But there's people out there who are Laker fans and they think that because the Lakers are winners that they are winners or they're Chiefs fans. I think because the Chiefs fans are winners that they are winners. And I think that is a mistake because those wins don't translate to your bank account. I'd rather be hungry and stay focused than be over here getting these these moral victories off of somebody else's win. It is cool to see the people that we want win, win, but I prefer for the person that I want to win to be the underdog because I relate to that story more. Yeah, when I saw the tweet, two things popped in my head. Like, number one, the reason why I stopped watching sports years ago is because it's like, even if my team wins, it doesn't change my life and I don't get a check. Whether they win or lose, it doesn't improve my life. I'm like, I don't have time to waste two and a half hours for a basketball game, three hours, whatever. Like, I'm not going to get emotionally invested. Like, for the instance, if the New York Knicks were to win a championship next year, oh, I'd be happy, but it's like, my life would still be the same. So it's like, I understand people still want to watch sports. I get it. I don't knock you for watching sports, but don't get too caught up in that, man. Don't let that shit ruin your life just because your team lost. And don't, don't, don't act like you you won because your team won either. Like, and people arguing over sports like come on man that's why i think it's so dumb it is so dumb with this lebron michael jordan debate that goes on forever and ever like who cares man like michael jordan like i hear i saw by the hood talk about the other day when the rumor came out a few years back that michael jordan uh bought was invested in private private prison you know that blew up over the internet like oh you see michael jordan don't care about nobody didn't care about anything but they were saying that they found out that it was a politician but who had the name michael jordan that was oh, yeah. that was yeah. invested in private prisons but you know what they pointed out also michael jordan the basketball player never came out publicly and said nah that's not me that's not true he didn't care he just lived his life he didn't he, he knew it wasn't true but he didn't come out to defend himself these people don't care stop fighting over these basketball players and these celebrities and these athletes they're living their life while you over there wasting time arguing about them or who's the greatest of all time who cares it don't do nothing for you it doesn't do anything for you and the other thing that um popped in my head when i saw your tweet was also like you said the last episode or the episode before that 
because I was talking about like an athlete move. And it's like, you don't really care so much about what celebrities and athletes are doing because it doesn't necessarily translate into success for us as a whole. So it's like, it's cool to see them do it, but we got our own work to do. Right? Then winning doesn't mean that we all win it. Not necessarily. So I want to touch on the last tweet before we wrap this up. And this one came from one of the speakers from the Black Man Building Wealth Conference coming up in August. Yeah. What's that? Next week? So Dr. Boyce Watkins had a tweet where he said, Beware of the Negro naysayer. This is a clown that exists in nearly every one of our families. They will find a problem with every solution. They will destroy a black-owned business and walk right past a racist white one. They will get jealous of any black person more successful than they are. They will kill any ounce of possibility before it is born. They will spend their money with a white-owned business and then demand free items from a black one. And so on and so on. Because he, he kept going. So boy said, beware of the Negro naysayers. And I'll tell you, he's right, man. You got time. You got time to be listening to these people. What do you say, Charles, before we wrap this up? Um, I would say that I don't really deal with that type anymore because I changed who I argue with. I used to try to convince everybody. Now I don't have to convince anybody. And so I used to say a lot of things in the timeline and spout out a lot of ideas and it would always get hit with people like that. Now I just avoid them. Um, I don't even interact. I don't even entertain the conversation. But like back in the day, I used to see that a lot. Not so much anymore. Um, now I kind of know who I can talk to, who I can't talk to, who I can expect to support it. Um, I would say the only person that I really debate is somebody that I see that has something like that, that kind of like a, a clout like respectability, I would say. And if they are either promoting a message or if they're doing something, then I'll speak out on it. Um, but even some of them, I don't like, I don't really connect with some of the guys on YouTube or some of the guys like tone talks, like tone talks. I'm not, I'm not interested in having a conversation with Tone Talks. I'm not interested in having a conversation with Yvette Carnell because I don't feel like their motives are pure. I don't feel like they actually care about other opinions that might challenge their own. They have an agenda that they want to push. And I don't like that they go out of their way to destroy Black folks that are doing things that could potentially help it. So I have no desire to really engage with those people. And I think that's what it is now. I don't, I don't really see the Negroes naysayers. I just kind of slide right past it but back in the day i'd be going back and forth with people arguing telling what's possible now it's like i'd rather just show you i think it kind of goes back to what i was saying like i care more about results than this discussion that we're having because nothing's going to change in a discussion that gets one what's going to happen is the activity that's going to go forward the action that's going to go forward that's going to make the difference the impact that's going to go forward that's what's going to have the difference and then i also have so many people that i run into that tell me good things that i've either helped them with or exposed them to i care about those connections not convincing the people that can't be convinced i'd rather build deeper relationships and connections with good people than try to convince people who are committed to misunderstanding me if you just don't get it great nothing i say is going to change your mind and i have to put my energy into places where i can actually make an impact as opposed to arguing with this wall that this person is at this moment and so i would just say i let the naysayers stay where they are i let the naysayers stay where they are i let certain family members who are committed to doing what they're doing and don't want to hear anything i have to say i let them stay where they are because i got this guy and i need to put my effort and my energy into him as opposed to putting my effort and energy into somebody who even if they win with what i give them they're not going to share it there's people out there who will take what you get what you give them win and they won't bring it back to the community so that's another reason why i'm more guarded in the things that i share because it's not going to be a community win it's going to be a you selfish win you're going to run over there and do your own thing or you're going to take it and you're going to win with it and you're going to start to kind of take a dump on me so i'm okay with just not arguing and convincing anybody i don't need to argue or convince anybody i have the ability to do anything that i want to do on my own now well said 
I'm not even going to add to that. So we're going to wrap this up. Be sure to follow us, folks, on Twitter at hey, Tweet be great, Talk y'all. Pod. Be great, y'all. Tweet Talk. Tweet Talk. <laughs> We're going to end this with one last tweet. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P-O-D. Follow myself on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow my partner Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. And we're not calling it X. We're calling it Twitter. That's what it is. Um, Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow the parent company at Todd.Capital. And I just want to leave you guys with this with one last tweet. Agreement is overrated. Most people don't even know enough to understand what you're talking about. Episode 152 of Tweet Talk the Black Wealth Podcast. Raphael and Charles, we are out. <laughs>